This one is titled Selena Gomez says quitting the internet has transformed her mental health. This is a Relevant Magazine article by Emily Brown. Here's a quick summary of that. Selena Gomez has stayed off social media for four and a half years. She only uses it for posting content and does not scroll through other people's posts. I haven't been on the internet in four and a half years, Gomez told Good Morning America. It's changed my life completely. I'm happier. I'm more present. I connect more with people. It makes me feel normal. Other celebrities who have done the same recently include Meghan Markle, Emma Stone, and Pete Davidson. All the people mentioned have reported being happier and having improved mental health. So what are some ways that uh, social media, just being on the internet in general, has affected your guys' mental health? I think for me, um, one of the big things that I notice like when I am scrolling through Facebook or Instagram is kind of the comparison trap that I feel, um, you know, watching or seeing moms who make these like elaborate sack lunches when I'm throwing a Lunchable or something in my kid's lunch. Or <laughs> like it's even ha- caused me to not necessarily want to have people over at my home, which might sound weird, but um, just because you see other people's homes and you're like, our house is not that great. So mm-hmm. let's just not. Um, so I think that's the big thing for me. But also I find it bringing me joy in a way where like I see people that maybe I haven't seen since high school or something and they're making big moves in their life or they've improved in such a way and so then I you know I mean I'm able to appreciate that with them in a way that like I wouldn't if social media didn't exist because I just probably wouldn't have had contact with those people so Mm -hmm. it's kind of this you know it's a double-edged yeah Yeah, it's a dichotomy because like we think about all the internet has brought us. I mean, it's incredible the connection that we can have mm-hmm. with people across the globe, all the joy we can experience, the people we can cheer on. You know, I, I mm-hmm. think about people in my line of work, church planners or leaders, and all the awesome stuff God's doing in their community, and we can cheer that on and um, stay connected to how their family is mm-hmm. growing and moving. And um, I mean, just the reality of being able to video call, right, yeah. with people across the um, the globe. I remember early days of the pandemic mm-hmm. when we weren't even seeing our family or learning like, how yeah, to like, zoom. Yeah, hey, like, mom, here, move your thumb, but here, you can yep. you know, do that. Turn kind your of thing. mic on. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just such a beautiful thing, right? Yeah, but yeah. it's something that I mean, I always think of the internet and social media is not a holy thing. It's not an evil thing. It's a neutral thing. It's what we bring to it that can bring destruction Mm -hmm. and damage. Um, But it's also, it's not neutral. It's changing us, right? Mm -hmm. Because our patterns and our behaviors and our habits, I mean, we become a combination of our patterns, behaviors, Mm -hmm. and habits. And so I think it really leads us to have to think, are we walking wisely with the internet and with social media? Um, I mean, for me, like you asked the question about our mental health. I I, I notice my use of social media um, when I'm going sort of down in my mental health, um, I use it more. It's almost like I use it, I think about this because we have little kids at home, like a pacifier um, <laughs> or like what people used to do to have like, you know, just go have a cigarette yeah. to like calm down, numb. take the yeah. edge off to numb ourselves down. Uh, I know, I don't know if I'm the only one, but I found myself sometimes doing what they call doom scrolling yep. where you're just scrolling and you're like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know what I read, but I just- Or how long of, it's been. How yeah. long it's been, it's <laughs> in a time portal kind yeah. of thing. Um, but it is, it's like that new, you know, stepping outside, having a cigarette mm-hmm. And you mentioned the comparison trap thing. Yeah. I know there have been many times I've woken up and, you know, I'll reach over to my phone and check 
what I missed in yeah. air quotes mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you know looking at oh somebody's already ran like six miles they made this great <laughs> breakfast for their kids and yep. you know look uh, look at like they're building this incredible thing in their backyard and I'm like still in my pajamas yep. <laughs> thinking oh, I'm never gonna compare on my third to cup of coffee in. <laughs> but yes and it's really important for me and again this is like something I'm learning but to realize that we're only putting up our highlight reels on social sure. media so we're comparing other people's highlight reels to what we know about ourselves 24 seven. And of course they'll never measure up. And we're just falling into this trap um, that just, you know, makes me slow down and ask the question, how can we walk wisely? How can I walk wisely with this very powerful tool um, of the internet? And Mm -hmm. so I've seen the ways it's taken me down. And, you know, as a father with little, little boys, like, um, I never thought that I'd be escaping to just go like stand in the bathroom and scroll on <laughs> my phone for a couple minutes, but I need those little breaks every now and again. I don't know yeah, what that yeah. says about me. Maybe I'm alone. I don't think I no. am. <laughs> oh, definitely not. The number of times I, you know, found myself in our walk-in closet, like eating some chocolate or something. I'm like, <laughs> I just need a break. <laughs> but a lot of that was, you know, pre-social media because I'm old. <laughs> what about you, Abby? Yeah, I've had the same uh, issue with comparing myself to mm-hmm. others. Um you know, a lot of social media will have like an algorithm in place. So I'm seeing, you know, people my age who are traveling the world and they have, you know, much nicer, expensive things than I do, or people who are like way better at makeup and like better at styling themselves. And I'm like, why can't I be like that? Mm -hmm. You know? And so there have been times that I've just completely quit some form of social media. Like I've been off Instagram for quite a while now because of those Mm -hmm. reasons. Um, I was, I noticed I was just getting depressed every time I got on there because I was comparing myself to everyone else. Yep. Just a updated version of the keeping up with the Joneses kind of. I don't even know what that means. Oh. How old are you? 85. I'm I'm 85. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, I know exactly what you mean. For sure. Yeah, I think, yeah, the question really is like, how do we steward this powerful Mm -hmm. tool that we have in front of us? How do we move forward with it? Yeah. So what are some uh, practices you guys have in place to keep yourself from letting social media take over your life and becoming something that you're sitting there doom scrolling for several hours at a time? Yeah, I'll go. This is the, uh, I'm like, dun, dun, dun. The reverse confessional yeah. moment for a pastor, right? But I mean, this is, again, this is art, not science for me. And I've had seasons where I feel like I've walked these practices out and it's been helpful. Um, they're true, whether I'm consistent and believing them and walking in them. But I mean, a couple of things I think of is, you know, because comparison is such a dangerous vice that is exposed um, through social media, is really focusing on gratitude, uh, finding ways to just be grateful for what you have, um, where you are in your life, and actually like writing it out, maybe posting it in not a humble brag kind of way, but posting what you're grateful for, sharing what you're grateful for, saying these words out loud. Um, It's a way to combat that comparison to look back and just be like, okay, you know, I'm not where maybe I want to be, but man, all these things I take for granted, they're here and I'm um, I'm in a a great place. I mean, Paul writing to um, early Jesus followers in the first century, he was writing this actually from a prison cell, which gives, I think, a some depth uh, to what he's going to say. But at the end of his letter to this uh, group of Jesus followers in Philippi, he said in uh, verse eight, chapter four, 
whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's like this idea of focusing on the good that's around us, looking at the world through a good eye and not a negative, Mm -hmm. bad eye. It changes things. And so when we're on our phones and on social media a lot, um, we tend to just go to that negative view and not thinking about those things that are good and ultimately true. So focusing on gratitude is a big one for me. Uh, another one just with dealing with people, because I don't know if you guys have ever had this experience, but um, sometimes people think differently than I do, and they're on the interwebs. <laughs> what? Pause what for dramatic about, shock. Right? Um, <laughs> but I, I think making an extra effort towards kindness, is yeah. it's been a powerful thing for me. Trying to catch people doing things right mm-hmm. in a culture and in a a societal moment where we're just trying to do the gotcha to people mm-hmm. all the time and try to own people by saying they're wrong, catching people doing things right and celebrating them, mm-hmm. honoring them um, can be a powerful thing to sort of combat uh, us just being all about ourselves all the time and then comparing ourselves to others. Another thing that I've done well at certain points in my life, I am not in a good season right now, <laughs> is um, putting my device to bed before I go to bed. Like I had a season where I was really faithfully, you know, like I would put my kids to bed. I would put my phone in a different room and mm-hmm. I would not see it till the morning. Mm. Well, getting up in the middle of the night with our one-year-old, you know, I was on my phone in the middle of the night to try to stay awake <laughs> and I uh, haven't gone back to that. But just this idea of me not sleeping with it to where I can reach mm. it or it can buzz or I can see the light go off to where I can grab it. Just a way that I try to not be mastered by my devices, but make sure that I'm the master of my devices. And then taking intentional breaks, mm-hmm. like, having a decision to be like, okay, so this week I'm off of this or I'm going to delete this app so it's harder for me to get to it so I'm not um, compulsorily, that's not a word, um, (laughs) compulsively uh, going and grabbing the device to make sure that I'm in charge of it instead of the other way around. But those are some things that have helped me walk more wisely. Mm -hmm. Um, Not saying that I'm perfect at it (laughs) at all as my wife would be so quick to attest to. Um, But those are some things that I think are good things to put in front of us Mm -hmm. trying to walk wisely with it. Yeah, and I mean, I agree with most of what Joel said, but I am also- (laughs) No, I'm just not great at it either. So it's not that I don't agree, it's just I do not have that necessary practice. But Mm -hmm. yeah, same, just putting my phone on, like do not disturb or whatever it is now on the update but um putting it to sleep basically mm-hmm. so that way it doesn't buzz it doesn't make noise um you know and even turning it over so that way you can't see if there's a notification kind of a thing um have been super helpful for me a lot of times mm-hmm. because you know if if it buzzes you feel like oh i have to look at it well no i don't yeah. <laughs> you know it can wait but you just feel that it's the same reason why i stopped wearing kind of the the watch on my wrist because i felt like oh every time it buzzed i needed to look and i just realized like my anxiety was going up and up and up and up because it just was buzzing and i'm like what the heck mm-hmm. um so, you know, that's just been another thing for me. Like, I, I know tons of people that wear them, but for me, and I know you can turn the notifications off, but it just was not helpful. So I was like, mm-hmm. this thing has to go. Um, so just smaller steps, plus just even um, trying to be more intentional about slowing down, which yeah. I'm terrible at, side <laughs> note. But um, so just being more still, and that involves just not even like scrolling, mm-hmm. sometimes just literally sitting and taking some deep breaths because we are so go 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 a lot Mm -hmm. of the times and so just finding some small moments where you can just stop yeah it's gonna be very hard people 
it's going to be very hard. <laughs> but yeah, that's been one way that I've tried to just control my device and just my time mm-hmm. in general. Yeah, I really like the do not disturb feature where you can mm-hmm. set it up that it turns off at a certain time every yeah. night. And it's really nice to have that, especially like when I get up and let my dogs out in the middle of the night, the notifications aren't even showing up on yep. my screen when you yep. have it like that. So I'm not tempted to you know, stop when I'm up at 2 a.m. to see what <laughs> messages I yeah. had when it went into that do not disturb mode. So I really like that mm-hmm. uh, feature, but I'm terrible at um, recognizing when I'm at a point where you know social media is taking over and I need to back away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's just a, a button to this conversation for me is the internet. It's here to stay. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a powerful thing. And so this Say is probably going to be something we talk about a lot is how mm-hmm. do we live in a world, this physical world with this digital reality? Yeah. Um, and how do we walk wisely with it? Because it's here to stay and mm-hmm. it's powerful. Mm-hmm. And I think with us working at a church, it's important to stay connected. And mm-hmm. that's the easiest way to stay connected nowadays is through Facebook, through Instagram, um, you know, being able to see what people who've come to the church are up Mm -hmm. to in their everyday life and stuff. And so without it, um, we'd be pretty lost, but (laughs) (laughs) there's, there's obviously good things. We can't just delete our accounts and walk away. Yeah. Sometimes I'm tempted, though. <laughs> it, is, it is tempting. If you tell me I have to do a TikTok dance, maybe that's what's going to happen. Listen, <laughs> there are worse things on the internet. <laughs> maybe. Well, this week I gave Joel and Allison some homework. We took uh, the character quiz, and it goes and has you answer questions and there's a slider to choose, you know, I feel like I'm more on this side of the question or this side. And it compares it with thousands and thousands of characters and lets you know what characters you're most like. So we're going to go over those results. <laughs> no, we're not doing this on the podcast already. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> this is caricature.com. We got to put this in the show notes, right? Yep, we got to yep. hear what people are. <laughs> you know, mine was a mixed bag because I was like blown away by my top choice and then I don't even want to share what my second <laughs> choice was. It's so embarrassing. But my my first thing that I tied, uh, lined up with and people that know me the best are just going to get a kick out of this or just you know, shake their heads, uh, but was C.J. Craig from The West Wing, the greatest TV show ever made. Um, C.J. Craig is uh, played by Allison Janney. She's the press secretary for the Bartlett administration. She's quick-witted. She's passionate. She sticks up uh, for the little guy against bullies. She's so smart, um, and it's just who I want to be with my life. It's pretty <laughs> amazing. And, you know, people that know me really well know that I have, um, just say a little unhealthy obsession with the West Wing. Uh, it's basically, I listen, I listen to it on a sleep timer every night on TV after I take my glasses off. It's like my pacifier. Oh my For gosh. how many years now? This has probably been like seven or eight years <laughs> that I've, I'm just always on a loop with the West Wing. It's incredible and it's uh, so great. I'm very grateful for the show. So CJ Craig was my number one character and uh, please send me the hate mail about that. Um, it's fun. <laughs> my second one, I can't believe I'm sharing this, uh, was uh, the villain from the 2012 Batman movie Dark Knight Rises, Bane. Really? Yeah. Like, wow. uh, that's that's a me with the mask and everything. <laughs> so why did it oh, say? Because the there was like a small like um, little thing. Why did I'm it not going to share that. Oh, it's too no. maniacal. Uh, <laughs> no, I think it was something about there was a boldness and a oh, okay. you know like a power kind of thing. Not really proud of that. Right? Uh, whatever that showed. You know, you can't take this thing too seriously, right? <laughs> I mean, it's evil villain uh, Bane. I mean, I hope not because. Uh, 
you know, I had a couple of interesting uh, characters myself. So uh, the first one was actually Carl Fredrickson, which <laughs> you're probably looking at me like, who is that guy? Uh, he's the crotchety old man from the movie Up. The oh. grandpa, uh, you know, the this grandpa. pegs you so. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so for you out there who do not know me, I mean, I, I can be a grouch. Yeah, you but made, you made me cry in the first eight minutes of that movie. though. Yeah. <laughs> but what I do like about him is that, you know, he's still willing to go on one last great adventure, which, you know, I, mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. So going that to see the narwhals. Yes. <laughs> That's really what it's yes. all about. Exactly. Um, but then my second one also, I don't know what it says about me that like, both of my things were just like animated characters, but um, Chewbacca, you guys, was my second one. <laughs> so you're a Wookie, <laughs> not even a human being. I love that that was an option. But it says, listen, this part. I don't know how I feel about it, but I kind of love it. So let's be real. It says loyal co-pilot who won't hesitate to rip your arm off. So (laughs) that really is me. I mean, if we're friends, I got you. And whether that means I have to, you know, uh, get a little aggressive at times. So, I mean, I I can do that all in love. It's because I love you. Okay. Now you have to do your Chewbacca voice impression. I honestly can't. We'll just drop it in. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll say it was you. Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. What about you, Abby? Okay. So my number one was uh, George Bailey from It's a Wonderful oh, Life. So yeah. classic. I know. It's classic. It's my favorite Christmas movie. So oh. it made me happy. I mean, he's someone who's adventurous, but, you know, he's also a family man. That's why he stayed where he was so i really like that talks to angels all the things yeah yeah, yeah. another <laughs> top one for me was another dad bob from bob's burgers was bob another Belcher. i know <laughs> and i don't know how much i relate to him i mean he seems to be a pretty anxious person on the show so i relate to that he's <laughs> an entrepreneur though yeah that's Flipping true burgers for mm-hmm. a family Mm. Yeah, you know there's a Bob Bob Burgers Bob's Burgers movie coming out. I'm so I saw the trailer last week. Yeah, Um, yeah, it's it's pretty dumb and awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. But the one I was upset with, um, I got Lord Farquaad from Shrek. Yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah, you're like wah wah. (laughs) Kind of the worst. They can't all be good, you know? Right? Exactly. She gets to be Chewbacca. (laughs) I know. Listen, I was also uh, Andy Walsh from uh, who was Molly Ringwald's character in Pretty in Pink. So, mm-hmm. you know, which I also love, but it's you know, <laughs> fine. I once got told I look like Molly Ringwald and I don't see it at all. Oh, I don't really see yeah. it either. I don't think that person. I mean, it wouldn't be good bad, eyesight, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be a bad thing, but right, I just exactly. don't see it. Hey, so everybody, what's your favorite customer <laughs> on the count of three? Just kidding. We're not going to have to bleep anything. Out. I'd like to keep my job. <laughs> right. <you. Yeah. laughs> we'll just reference uh, the movie Elf where he's like cotton-headed ninny muffins or something. I'm a cotton-headed ninny muggins. <laughs> I don't even know what he says, but we're going to go with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, so this article is is called Why Swearing is a Sign of Intelligence and Helps Manage Pain. Uh, This is a CNN article by Sandy Lamott. 
the article talks about the different benefits that cursing may have. It says that cursing may be a sign of intelligence, a sign of honesty, it improves pain tolerance, it's a sign of creativity, and it reduces physical violence. Now, the majority of Christians, myself included, are taught that swearing is bad and it's a sin. So many of us have found replacements for those four-letter words. But are those really any different than the original words? Oh, what a <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> This is so interesting, like, to think about, you know, as adults mm -hmm. and to think about, you know, words. And, you know, I've got two little ones at home and having to really think about the words that we use around our house because our three-year-old is starting to repeat yeah. everything, right? I, cussing's funny for me. Uh, that's a funny sentence. And it's, so, <laughs> but it's just a funny topic for me, you know, because oftentimes I'll be someplace in public and just talking to somebody and, you know, they're letting all the words fly. And mm -hmm. then it gets to that dreaded question of like, oh, so what do you do for a living? And I'm like, I don't want to tell them I'm a pastor. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to do everything. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Then they like change. They, <laughs> yep. they apologize profusely. They start changing all the words. Yep. You know what I mean? And I'm like, most of the time I try to say, you know, and it's, yeah. it's true, just confessional here, but I'm like, hey, I've heard all the words and I think I've probably said them all too. Yeah. You're okay, man. I don't want this to be a, a shame-filled conversation for you. But the, the article was really fascinating thinking mm -hmm. about all the health benefits and, yeah. uh, you know, like you think about you hurt your you know, you hurt your hand and, oh, that actually helps when you say uh, <laughs> that word maybe a little bit, but it was yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah. One of the uh, quotes from the article that I thought was interesting was uh, said, having the strategies to know where and when it's appropriate to swear and when it's not is a social cognitive skill, like picking the, picking the right clothes for the right occasion. That's a pretty sophisticated social tool. And I was like, I'm so sophisticated <laughs> because like I have never, um, I don't know about you guys, but like I've never cursed in front of my parents. We don't curse in front of our kids. Um, you know, but that's not to say that I've never said any of the words, but it's just knowing your audience and your mm -hmm. respect. Um, because you know, there's a lot of words that here in America are curse words, but internationally not curse words not mm -hmm. looked uh, you know at the same way and so um for me anyways words themselves are not deemed necessarily ungodly uh in the bible but like the intent and the heart and kind of the cultural understanding behind them uh for me that's where i don't know words get their meaning and their yeah. value yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. i think that's really cool um I'm really like in that same direction of thinking. It's interesting though, growing up, you know, in church, in evangelicalism, in a conservative um, church. I mean, I used to, you know, hear the youth group messages where there would be like one or two Bible verses about words. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh man, I can't. I would think that there was basically a list in the Bible of like <laughs> yeah. the four letter words that Show you can't it to say. Me. Yeah. But, you know, you get older <laughs> and, you know, you start to think of it more critically and ask questions about it. Like, Man, you think like mm -hmm. we're talking even the New Testament 2,000 years ago. Think of all the languages difference, all the difference in culture. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no list of the same <laughs> four-letter words back then that there was today. Yeah. So like mm -hmm. any kind of stigma that we place on words as being, you know, like dirty words, cuss words, it's a really new mm -hmm. and culturally locked in a certain period of time conversation, right? Words that are bad today were not bad 500 mm -hmm. years ago. I mean, English wasn't even, you know, as, as easily spread as it was, uh, you know, 500 years ago. So like, you know, that sort of changed some of my thinking, like maybe it's not the power in the words. Maybe there's 
some more going on. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting. Um, probably four or five years ago, you know, one of those Bible verses that we're using all the youth group talks about don't cuss is Ephesians 429. And Paul's writing to this church in Ephesus. And he says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. There's like unwholesome talk, we think, mm-hmm. curse words, four-letter words, words we're not supposed to say in front of our grandma. Um, <laughs> but only what is help for, helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And it was interesting in my study, I looked at with that phrase unwholesome talk that I always you know, defined as cuss words. And unwholesome talk is actually, in the original language, Greek, uh, I'm probably pronouncing this completely wrong, but it's sapros. Lagos, Sapros Lagos. And the word Sapros there is the word, you know, we translate to unwholesome. And it actually means rotten or, you know, putrefied, mm-hmm. like disgusting. Like think about like uh, produce that's been sitting out way <laughs> past its time and it's just rotten and it's putrid and there's bugs all in it. So what Paul, the imagery that Paul is using is like some like something rotten that if you receive it and if you ingest it and digest it, it is going to harm the person mm-hmm. who receives this food, it, this rotten food. And that's really what I think the thrust of what Paul's talking about is it's not the actual words and the syllables that you use that make the language a curse, but it's what it does to the person that hears it. It, it, it ruins their digestive system. <laughs> it poisons them because it's rotten and putrid what they receive. And actually, Paul's logic continues right in that when he says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. So it may benefit those who listen. It's all about what it does to to the other person that mm-hmm. receives it. And so the I think the intent behind our words is more important than the actual words that mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. use. I mean, for example, if I came into the office and I said, um, Abby, you are such an idiot. <laughs> Did I say any cuss words? <laughs> right. Yeah. Did I say any words there that I would like, you know, get bleeped out fired for yeah you know i mean like (laughs) yeah no but my intent was to cut down was to belittle someone dehumanize someone and man i think that god gets much more upset and he stands against that kind of thing much more than he does some friends that have a common understanding um using some you know language that's not suitable on tv Mm -hmm. or radio Mm -hmm. it but in the same way if i would use a four-letter word uh in front of my mother (laughs) or say it towards my mother Mm -hmm. and if she is going to be dishonored or disrespected Mm -hmm. by hearing that word then i'm still in the wrong yeah because it's all about my heart Mm -hmm. my intent and it's about what it does to the other person Mm -hmm. is it sapros is it rotten is it putrid and so I think we've got to be mindful, and this is the challenge and the beauty and the invitation <laughs> of following Jesus is it's always thinking about what it does to another person. Mm-hmm. God cares about people. He yeah. cares about people. And so for us to use our language in a way that builds other people up and doesn't tear them down, dehumanize them, man, that is the challenge. It's not about not saying certain four-letter words because these are the words that are <laughs> off limits, even though they might be off limits if they dishonor mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. But we're called to honor and see the image of God in everyone, and we need to honor other people. And that's what I think the thrust of the Bible's teaching of language is really all about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really agree with what you said about intention. I mean, I I talk a little bit about how we have those replacement words, (laughs) but they all stem. Dang it. Yeah, they all stem from those cuss words. I, 
I don't know if you guys have ever seen the video uh, from Tim Hawkins, the Christian cuss words. He just lists off all these different, uh, you know, Christian replacements for cuss words. Fiddlesticks, fiddle faddle flipping, horse hockey, horse pucky, horse feathers, horse patootie, fooey, bull twinkie, shut the front door. Okay. I didn't even know it was open. And you listen to it, and they all are so very similar to those. You know exactly that... what he's saying. It is yeah. Flipping yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Flipping hilarious, yeah. you guys. Yeah. yeah. I'll link that video in the show notes. But... Yeah. I think that's that's so true because we play games, and it's like on today's episode of how dumb do we think God is? Right. We think that like, yeah. you know, he doesn't like, know what yeah, your intent he doesn't, is. Yeah, yeah. Intention. And if you're doing that to belittle and to tear someone down, I mean, come on. Yes. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Bizarre Christian culture wars that time forgot. Christians have fought culture wars for years over things that seem meaningless when we look back at them. One of the oldest culture wars in church history took place in 1633 when the Catholic Church condemned Galileo for daring to teach that it was the sun, not the earth, that was at the universe's center. How dare he? (laughs) No, for shame. (laughs) They believed that since God made humans unique, that he would put us at the center of the universe. In the 1300s, the church banned playing cards because they were associated with gambling. When the Beatles grew to fame, Christians thought they were getting more popular than Christianity itself and hated that about them. And then uh, a more recent one, many Christians hated Pokemon simply because the creatures evolve in the game. (laughs) Keep keep going, F. Keep going. (laughs) A lot of these culture wars, which can seem like a decisive moment for the fate of the nation at the time, end up looking pretty stupid, if not downright forgettable in the rearview mirror. So what are some Christian culture wars that you guys have experienced in your lifetime? Oh, man. The one that immediately I kind of thought of uh, when we started talking about this was the um, Starbucks holiday themed cups. Yes. And like how that was just such (laughs) a big deal when it didn't say Merry Christmas and it says Happy Holidays and all of these things. That's become like this, you know, the start of the holiday season is you know this new starbucks cup coming out but no it's the christmas season and so it was just one of these things where like society was just flared up about this stupid (laughs) cup it was not a big deal but um you know for a lot of people it really was and i just wanted to be like it's a cup it's not like a war on christmas or your that's exactly yeah (laughs) it really was so for me that was kind of the first one that popped up into my mind when we were talking about this to me the logic just falls apart so quickly with the christmas happy holidays thing and I understand where you're coming from if you want people to say Merry Christmas to you because you probably celebrate Christmas. Mm -hmm. But you also celebrate Christmas because there was people that started a nation where there was religious liberty to come worship the way that you want to (laughs) worship. And everybody doesn't celebrate Christmas. Like, And that's not ever been the case, nor will it ever be the case Mm -hmm. on this side of eternity. So to just... you're. The logic falls apart yeah. because, like, you know, you want religious liberty to worship the way that you want, but you don't want it for other people. Yeah. And, you know, like, let's just not be so thin-skinned, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe Christianity is not going to be the majority-defining power-tripped culture 
and maybe it's not supposed to be. You know, maybe it's more of this mustard seed thing that Jesus was talking about, and maybe mm-hmm. you should just get used to not being the one in charge all the time. Anyway, <laughs> I can talk about Christmas and all. That's a well, that'll be a whole episode, a holiday edition. Yes, there you we'll go. We'll call it a holiday oh. edition to really drive in the. Nails. So, so nobody will listen. Is oh, that probably. why? That's oh, okay. probably why. Uh, for me, I got a couple of funny ones, I guess, because uh, I remember growing up, and my parents. Um, they weren't like uber strict about what we could and could not watch on TV because we were watching TV, you know, during normal hours. Uh, but they would not let me and my brother watch The Simpsons. Yeah, I remember the that. The Simpsons were deal. out mm-hmm. because, and the reason is the funniest part for me. <laughs> my parents are like, "Well, Bart is disrespectful." Yeah, to his their parents, kids are rude. Yep. <laughs> and we I don't want you watching that. I'm like, "Oh wow, you're gonna." Wow, you don't know any of the way that anybody talks, yeah. and, and like of all the things, right? And all the you're like, craziness I ride the school bus, yeah. like the kids are the same there. Of all the craziness of TV, they're like, no, this is not good Christian morals. I'm like, well, okay, I, yeah. I, I get you there. But I, I remember sitting in church growing up and hearing a pastor rail on Harry Potter. You know, oh. that was it was you know rising. It was really popular and took the whole witchcraft approach and said, why are we entertaining ourselves with this? And maybe if you're listening and you don't do the Harry Potter thing, but it was just very heavy handed um, towards other people. And I just found it hilarious as I, as I watched the movies and read the books and no spoiler alert, but like it ends, Harry Potter ends up being one of the most beautiful, vivid Christian metaphors and gospel allegories ever with what happens in Harry Potter. So I think that was J.K. Rowling probably trolling all the Christians for saying it was evil <laughs> for us to watch and read it. She makes it like this gospel presentation at the end of yeah, the, as yeah. the books. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, but well, growing up in high school, I went to um, a really traditional, you know, kind of church. And there was, uh, you know, you couldn't go to the movies or you weren't, weren't supposed to go to the movies and, uh, you know, no dancing, you know, very footloose kind of esque, if that you think that worked yeah. in the movie. Yes, if I recall. yeah, it, yeah. It, it was very um, powerful. But uh, so, I mean, I get the original sentiment, like you know, you don't want to stumble in your faith, and sometimes these things can, you know, cause you to think of things differently. But like that can happen in your home, and that can happen at your school or where you work. So like for me, like you said earlier, kind of the the logic ends up falling apart because like if I'm going to say I'm living a uh, life following Jesus, then I'm going to do that with or without watching a movie or listening to a song or whatever it might be that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, somebody says I shouldn't do. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Uh, for me, Harry Potter was a big one. Like, you couldn't watch Harry Potter because there was magic. There was wizards. But uh, Lord of the Rings was okay. So that's a little confusing. Oh, but Tolkien was a Christian. <laughs> the author was a Christian. Yeah. yeah. But those wizards were disciples. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was confusing to me. And then also similar to uh, Simpsons, we weren't allowed to watch SpongeBob because there was an episode where SpongeBob was like rude to his grandma or something like oh. that. My mom was like, yep, we're done and turned it off. Canceled. Canceled SpongeBob. Oh, it was pre-cancel culture. Oh, my gosh. I, I think this this whole thing, and I think the article is so cool. I hope you read it from the show notes. Um but it, it just shows that, you know, culture wars have been around as long as there's been people and as long as there's been Christians, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, like, it's just reframing this idea of waging war on culture to something deeper. Um, I mean, instead of waging war on culture, maybe 
Just maybe Christians are called to engage culture and show a better way and critique it, not just through like negativity or shunning, but like showing there's a better way to do this. And and that might be a more popular way um, to move things forward, a more palpable way to move things forward. Um, And you think of it this way, we only have so much breath, we only have so much life, we only have so much time that we can shine a light on anything. And I'm always, I'm saddened by faith leaders that spend so much of their light pointing it on these things that they disagree with instead of pointing it on Jesus Mm -hmm. and pointing it on what we are sure of and the hope that can be found in Jesus uh, and engaging the culture around us. And we see examples of this throughout the scriptures. Um, Jesus, actually, he he quotes um, what would be like equivalent to a farmer's almanac. He quotes a proverb that was just a, uh, a Jewish saying that's not even in our book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. Paul, in the New Testament, um, as he's planning churches and starting this local church movement, Paul, actually, he quotes a Greek poet in Acts 17. So they were always engaging culture and asking questions and trying to connect with people using culture and not ever shaming culture in that way. And I think that's a great pattern for us to follow. Now, hear me. I think we should use discernment. Like, um, we should. there are things that I should not watch or engage and, and listen to because it's not healthy for me. You should use discernment. Make guardrails for you and your family, and we're going to find different lines on the, that continuum on where those things will be, and we shouldn't judge other people because of it. But make guardrails for your family. Use discernment about what's healthy for you. But overall, let's stop playing defense and thinking like, oh, culture is going to stamp out the church and culture is going to stamp out Jesus. Like, no, Jesus said that his church would stand and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Like, let's take that to the bank. Right. Mm-hmm. The church survived the Roman Empire and Christians being burned at the stake by Nero, the emperor. Like, we're going to be okay. We're going to make it through Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> Harry and, Potter. and yeah. I think, like, I just want to, I want to be part of a movement that's engaging culture. Yes, I'm going to critique it. I'm going to speak truth to it. But I don't want to just stop with the critique. I want to model and be a part of a group of people that are showing a better way. Saying, mm-hmm. like, let's point the light at the better way instead of saying, ooh, that's bad. That's gross. Mm-hmm. And I think we'd find ourselves um, farther down the field that way. So for our first uh, topic, we're going to kind of go away from talking about an article. Today, we're going to be talking about a song. um, The song is by the artist Katie Turner. She was a contestant on season 16 of American Idol. She got the golden ticket to Hollywood after impressing the judges with her song 21st Century Machine. She ended up placing in the top seven. Since then, she has released two EPs and numerous singles, one of those being her 2021 hit, God Must Hate Me. It's a heartbreaking song about body image and comparing yourself to others. Here's a clip from that song. Do you ever see someone and think, wow, they got lucky? The craftsmanship of their bones, their brain, and their body. When I look into the mirror for too long, it hurts. It'll track how many steps it takes to burn off the spur. Do you ever see someone and think, wow, they got lucky? I'll let him take accountability for everything that's wrong with me. Can't hold myself responsible, so I blame the metaphysical. If Jesus died for all our sins, he left one behind the body of men. Same hands that made the moon and the stars. 
think he made a mistake with me. So there's a short section of the song. There have been several um, Christian parody songs that have changed the lyrics of this song to be a praise song instead of what it originally was. One of them was by TikTok user official Gabriel Storm. He changed the lyrics to be, if Jesus died to save our sins, he left the 99 to save the body I'm in. The same God who made the moon and the stars created me and formed my heart. I know what I believe and it's easier to think. He made me perfectly. Now, I first heard her song um, through TikTok. Um, I came across her account, and there were several other people who were like, "This count or this song uh, really connects with me." And there were people who, you know, th- they just had body image issues, as many young women do. And there were some people who connected it to it because they had a disability or um, mental illness that they felt made them different from other people. And so people were connecting to that song in those ways as well. But I want to talk a little bit about your reactions to the song and then your your reaction to um, official Gabriel Storm's version of the song. So what do you guys think about this? Yeah, so for me, I... Um I have a love-hate relationship with the song. Uh, Honestly, I hate that um, so many people can relate to it. I hate that we compare ourselves to others. I hate that we look at clothes like we were made to fit in them instead of they were made to fit us. I hate that, um, you know, if we think we or if we have freckles or acne or glasses or anything that we... um, think that we are not as good as someone else. So I literally hate everything about that part. (laughs) Um, But I love that she speaks about it so bluntly um, because that's reality. And so it can be super cathartic for people. um, And I love that. But it's one of those songs that you don't want to relate to. But unfortunately, a lot of times you can. Um, So it's a... it's it's a tension-filled song for me, I guess, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I think, again, you know, you, you feel for her for feeling that way, and you want to be like, oh, but that's not true. And I think that's a little bit of what, you know, the parodies come mm-hmm. to. But uh, there's another part of me that just feels like, you know, this is a real, authentic emotion. This is someone who's being mm-hmm. honest and not putting the metaphorical newspaper over the mess that she feels like she is, um, that I think that in faith circles we need to make space for. Mm-hmm. Uh, because God wants us to be honest. He already knows how we're feeling. He doesn't want a fake version of us. So whatever mess we're feeling, um, I think we need to find ways to bring it to him. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the most powerful things about this massive part of the Hebrew scriptures in our Bible called the book of Psalms. Um, it, it's just like, you know, 150 chapters of old worship songs and prayers. And they really, when you look at them with a bird's eye view, they really help us bring all different types of emotions to God so that he can uh, be present with us in our emotions and he helps us process our emotions. I mean, there's a lot of songs where there are the praise songs of, you know, worshiping God and celebrating who he is and what he has done. But 40% um, of all the Psalms are actually called laments. Uh, and that's not like French for a breath. A, a <laughs> lament uh, is an idea of, you know, crying out to God of anguish, of anger, of deep, dark sadness and bringing that 
to God. Um, so there's a huge tradition inside of our Bibles of people not just saying the pretty things, not just experiencing the happy-go-lucky rainbow butterflies feelings about God, but bringing their anger and their hurt mm-hmm. to God. And so I think that she's just maybe falling into that. And man, I think our churches and our faith community should have space for the, the Monday through Saturday kind of emotions, not just that everything's amazing, clap your hands because Jesus is alive, but the other emotions Monday through Saturday that we all face. And we need to learn to um, bring God into those um, spaces uh, of what we're feeling. I mean, some of these Psalms of lament, like Psalm 22 starts like this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. I mean, it doesn't sound like he's real happy inside <laughs> of that, right? Another Psalm, uh, Psalm 44 says this in verse 23, awake Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and our oppression? Another Psalm, Psalm 60, uh, says this, You have rejected us, God, and burst upon us. You have been angry. Now restore us, please. So you see, it's not all just the, you know, the happy-go-lucky emotions, but it's the sad stuff, too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, I just I long for you know, people of faith to understand that you don't have to you know, hide how you feel, but be real, be honest, because your honest, authentic self is where transformation can really begin. It's where it needs to begin with what's going on yeah Mm -hmm. so like the parodies i mean i get it like you want to make you know jesus look loving and at his core like he is love but i would never want to like invalidate the original um artist's intent because like you were talking about like if um you know she's got church trauma we don't know you know all these things that uh people come to the table with their doubts and their questions and all of these things this hurt grief whatever it is that she's working through so if this is a way for her to express that and to get that out and to kind of move forward like good for her and so you know because a lot of us don't and we literally just carry it around with us until we can't carry it anymore and then you know the bottom falls out kind of a thing so um you know for me like if you find a way to kind of create space like Joel mentioned or find somebody to talk to or have an outlet like music or art or whatever it is then like do that do a lot of that and you know just kind of uh you know ignore the parodies or the people who want to say other things about what you're doing because you're putting in the work to move forward and kind of express what you're feeling Mm -hmm. and yeah this also yeah uh, this also just this is sort of in the what grinds Joel's gears category (laughs) sometimes when, you know, people of faith, Christians, um, when we like judge somebody for what they're doing and they're not even maybe inside of the church, Mm -hmm. like, Oh man, I can't believe what so-and-so celebrity is doing and stuff like that. And they, we want to rant about it and make a huge deal to protest against this person. And like, it's just so clear as day. Like, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, um, I mean, what business business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Like, we spend so much time pouring our light and our energy uh, talking about what's going wrong outside of the church. And you know what? There's a lot of junk and things we need to clean up inside of the church first. And so, I mean, I just I, I just say more power to her. I, I hope that she comes to realize um, that, yes, she can feel that way, but she has a Heavenly Father who is with her and experiences that that pain with her 
and they, she can meet uh, him through that uh, artistic expression. But man, Jesus people, like, let's just lay off and <laughs> let people experience and express themselves. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to listen to it. There's another thing. For sure. You, you know, you don't Scroll have to along. listen to it. You yeah. don't have to have your kids listen to it when you're with them. And who would have thought, you know, you don't have to have mm-hmm. this massive opinion and shame people for everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Crazy yeah. idea. The vibe I got from the parody song was basically a vibe of, hey, I don't like this, so let me fix your song for mm-hmm. you. This is how I want it to be. And I think it's a very, um, I don't know, a naive take to think that, you know, you're going to hurt God's feelings or something right. yeah. if, you, <laughs> if you are critical of him. Mm-hmm. And so it, it just seemed very... Um, not not kind the way that right. he was doing this. It wasn't like he was making his own worship song. He was taking hers and changing it so that he would like it. And a lot of people in the comments, this might be a toxic trait of mine, but I love looking at comments. <laughs> oh, I oh. always deep dive the comments, girl. It's totally a toxic trait. The worst things that happen on planet Earth happen in comment sections. But everyone that was commenting was like, this is in bad taste. You shouldn't be... You know, making yeah. this song. If you wanted to make a song uh, with these lyrics, you could have done your own thing mm-hmm. and not tried to change her song to be what you wanted it to be. Yeah. yeah. And on your point of, you know, we feel like we're going to hurt God's feelings. Like, mm-hmm. what a small little vision of God that that creates, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, Eugene Peterson, who was behind the message paraphrase of the Bible, great pastor and author and theologian. I love what he said about the Psalms. Uh, I love this. He said, that praying the Psalms is learning to cuss at God without cussing. <laughs> so what he was saying was it, it, it's learning how to bring all of your negative emotions and what you're really thinking to God in a way that honors him instead of hiding it and pushing it down. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we should really have this, this big picture of God who's big enough for the hardest things mm-hmm. that we face and our darkest emotions and wants us to bring it to him so that he can transform us through them. Yeah. That almost rhymed and I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. But I mean it is a very powerful song and it really spoke to me um as you know someone who did have body image issues and still deals with that kind of stuff. Like these are real emotions that uh people feel and it is insensitive to mm-hmm. you know ignore those and try to make it you know, a happy song, something that makes you feel good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to work through the mess. Not everything feels great. Yeah, that's okay. Exactly. Exactly.